Welcome to Driven by Web Data, a podcast about trends, innovations, and real-life web data-driven success stories, produced by Webs.io, with Juan Geva, CEO, Yafit Lazar, Head of Content, and leading guests from the industry. Artificial intelligence is a major force in shaping our future across different fields. From hospital systems to financial analysis platforms, AI is everywhere. But what do we know about the data it runs on and how can it help solve the biggest challenges AI is facing in the years to come? In this talk, we'll hear from Angel Montes de Oca, CEO of IBM Watson's Convior AI, about these challenges and the crucial role of data in AI development. AI is a big term that is being thrown around a lot. What's your definition of AI? So the way I see AI, AI has been around for a really long time. Right. It dates back to the laboratories at, at Dartmouth and has evolved, you know, incredibly since. And AI is in many different industries and many different applications. The way I see it, AI really is it's doing it's it's leveraging um, machine learning, statistical models to go ahead and help understand what is going on with your data and help scale your expertise. Spend so much of our day. 30% of our time going through a lot of the mundane. And what AI does is it takes all of this data that we couldn't humanly go through, crunches that math, right? Computer science, and allows you to extract insights and then connect that to other technology so that you can go ahead and automate a lot of things that are repetitive. You can gain insights so you can make better decisions. I think it's about the... You mentioned just before uh, repetitive tasks. So in the industrial uh, revolution, there were tasks that people manually had to do that are physical. And I think uh, it could be the same as repetitive tasks that are not as defined as, I don't know, putting a shoe in a box uh, or more generic or not necessarily... Um, logical in the sense that if then if then do that um so it's more of a categorization of summarization understanding the human mind but it's still repetitive and still kind of a hard work that otherwise would be have you know done by a human it's not a complicated human task but it's a complicated uh, at scale uh computer task so i think these the type of jobs that a human can do quite easily. However, uh, a, a computer, at least an old software, uh, um, before machine learning, uh, would have real problem performing. Uh, and now we have the ability to take some kind of a, uh, human abilities and replicate them at scale and actually do it much better than humans. So that's, I think that's the way I see yeah, you know, I just want to quickly highlight on, on that other point. I think AI is and, and human go go hand in hand, right? Um, I think you and I, I know we love working, uh, but uh, I think society places too much emphasis on, you know, working, 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 working. And like you just mentioned, there's a lot of things where AI allows that creativity to flourish, right? Now we're seeing AI, you know, go ahead and create artwork. You know, there's artwork being sold. AI being infused in every different part to go ahead and create those better experiences so that we can, we're always wondering, wow, I wish I had that, or I wish I knew that. And now we're able to go ahead and deliver. So I think that's, you know, AIs and humans 
um, the way AI is being created now responsibly and especially the way we're doing it, uh, we're good partners. Can you give an example? Where did that meet you in your career? Uh, so the way I got uh, started in, in AI is I started with it, working with AI at Facebook where we had so much data, right? More data than we can go ahead and, and humanly process. And every day there was more and more and more data. And what we needed to do was build classifiers and other data mining models so that we can start weeding out the bad actors, right? I know a lot of what's in the news today is around Twitter and how their staff is very limited now thanks to some moves. And, and there's so many things that are being happening. There's so many bad actors. Uh, Facebook, same thing. And we were growing at such a fast pace that we couldn't possibly even staff to be able to monitor all the things that are happening and it's worldwide, different languages. all. So we needed AI to help us. We needed AI to help us identify uh, what is bad activity. So who is doing impersonation? Who is doing some harmful, hateful things so that we can go ahead and create a safe and compliant platform? You know, the reasons why folks go to a Facebook or Twitter is because, you know, they're going to have a good experience, right? If they're not going to get the right information, if they're going to go ahead and be bullied, they're going to get, they're not, they're not going to go there. And so that's why the work that we were doing with AI is super essential to go ahead and create that safety. AI has come a long way since your days at Facebook and Google. Uh, tell us what you're working on now. So what I've been working on for the past couple of years is innovating and building the next generation of AI products. And it's mainly around... You know, data mining, insight engines, virtual assistants, all around customer care, really thinking about the user. I'm obsessed with the user. Uh, really thinking about how we can create those great experiences uh, and how can we also deliver um, the best type of information for our own employees. And I know you have a, I, I've seen on, on LinkedIn, you have a great team. I love the culture that you're creating there. And so that's really hard to go ahead and, and, and create an AI can, can help that, right? You know, making sure that um, employees have the right information to and, and, and the best tools to go ahead and be productive. Yeah, it helps with all of that. So I'm, I'm really lucky to, to get a chance to work on those things. These are all very positive sides, but like any other technology, AI can also be abused or manipulated. What are the dangers of AI? So what I really loved about how we started a conversation is you referenced the power of AI back to the industrial revolution, where all this great technology with machines came about. Really improve productivity to the nth power. At the same time, there's, there's dangers, right? How to use the machine, there were a lot of injuries, safety concerns. It's similar here with AI. It, one of the big challenges I think about AI is not so much that it's sentient. I know there's been claims of that. I don't think we're anywhere near that. But there's, a, there's not a good understanding of AI and what is meaningful AI. So actually one of the not to toot my own horn, but one of the the, the startups we've incubated, uh, AI decision coordination, what, what it does is it helps organizations decide when a human should be making a decision, when an AI should be making a decision, when a human and an AI should be making a decision. And the reason why I think that that's dangerous is that AI doesn't solve every problem. I think a lot of the times we try to fit a square into a, a round peg hole and say, you know what, I'm just going to use AI because I need to use AI because, you know, that's going to be great for, for, for my resume and that's going to be great so I can tell my, my employees and my customers that you're not going to get results that way. And as you know, with uh, data and stats, it's very easy to go ahead and manipulate and, 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 and tell your own story. 
And so if AI is not delivering the results, for example, if you go ahead and create a classifier to go ahead and weed out those bad actors, to find that bad information, but it doesn't have a good accuracy, it has 50%. Is AI really helping you? No, it's, it's, it's actually being very dangerous. Now you multiply that by a billion people, you got a real problem because you have so many mistakes that are being made. And when you infuse AI into things like the medical field, you can't make those mistakes. When you're trying to diagnose someone, that's very dangerous. When you're going to go ahead and use AI to help uh, financial institutions decide when I should give someone a loan or not, but you're making mistakes because you don't have all the, the, the parameters in sight. And then on top of that, there's, and I think we're going to get into this because it's super exciting, not with AI, AI feeds on data. If you don't have good data, which is another complication, then you're going to be making a ton of mistakes, no matter how good the models are. Teams that develop AI solutions need data, but what types of data do you think are most valuable for AI? Yeah. So, you know, without good data, you can't have good AI. And organizations need to deliver the best experiences for their customers and employees. And they get that data from everywhere, you know, especially the web. They, uh, customers, um, the customers I work with, um, they not only want that data, but they want that data in real time. So it's not just the data that they interact face-to-face -face with the customer. So not from their website, not just data from, you know, their chatbot or from their call center, but what is being said on social media? what is being written in articles and blogs and more. The beauty of technology, you know, in the day and age we live in is that it's so easy now for someone to go ahead and take a pen, create a data point. And there's data points everywhere. And so what organizations are trying to do is how can I collect all those data points to have a holistic 360 understanding of my customers and my employees so I can go ahead and get. If you're only getting data from what you're interacting with your customers and it's amazing, you might think, hey, I have the best product in the world. I have the best service in the world. You know, uh, everyone loves flying, you know, Delta. But then on Twitter, everyone's complaining around, you know, the fact that they took away the free check bags. You're missing that huge data and, and you're losing customers. And so that's why you need to go ahead. And so that data they get, what I see is not just from, you know, the data that they have interacting with the customer, but that web data, that social media data, articles, blogs. Uh, and, you know, I think that's why we've partnered in the past because customers want that, they need that so that they can go ahead and create the best, best experience. Can you give us an example of how you use data to help solve customer problems? Yeah, of course. At IBM, Data and AI, Hyperblue, uh, we pride ourselves, and I know we've done this in the past, uh, working together in leveraging our AI, not just so that you can use it, but working hand in hand with our customers so that they can find ROI. For me, nothing gets me more excited than working with the customer, them using AI and saying, wow, I, I, I couldn't do that before. You helped me solve a problem. That gets me excited. And so with Conveyor AI, our, our low-code platform, what we're doing is we're helping telecommunication companies connect data from their call centers, right? So when customers have problems, they call in from social media, from blogs, so that they can build a 360-degree understanding of what products are working and what services can be improved. Traditionally, building these applications, so if I want to go ahead and get an understanding of what my service is in France, 
I'll go ahead and build this. I'll connect, you know, my data from what's happening with people calling in, what's being written on Facebook and Twitter. I'll go ahead and, and add some sentiment analysis to go ahead and understand what's positive, what's negative. Uh, I'll go ahead and, and use different technologies so that I can get all this information together and analyze it. Now, that takes a long time and a lot of resources for a number of reasons. One, it's pretty complicated. Two, like getting that data from all these, these places is complicated. Uh, three, you know, the services that I'm using, you know, I might, my sentiment analysis might be in Google. I might have done a lot of work building models at Google. And then I might have built classifiers with Amazon. And so connecting these dots, they, they don't work together. It's like having someone who only speaks French talk to someone who only speaks Portuguese, having to talk to someone who speaks, it's, it's pretty hard to build something. It's going to take us a long time to build. Well. So what we've done is we've worked with these telecoms to go ahead and they decide where their models are at, right? Because we've been around in this age of data and AI for a while. They built these models. They have them. They tell us where their data is. We connect the dots. And they're able to go ahead and now build these AI. So what now has traditionally taken months takes days, if not minutes, to go ahead and build. What about insights? Companies always need them, certainly in today's competitive business landscape. Can you think of a good example of how you use data and AI to generate actionable insights? I think all around the world, uh, I hope I don't jinx it. Uh, we're a little more prepared now for for the pandemic. And so organizations uh, are strategizing how they can go ahead and return to the office. Um, Ron, I think they're looking at, at your LinkedIn again, seeing all that that culture and that the happiness that that's happening over there. And so they want to go ahead and recreate that. And so we're seeing organizations want that. IBM wants it. And so with Convery AI, you know, a type of application that we've seen is that they can create an application that can take inputs from data from their workforce messaging system, like Slack, uh, connected to, for example, our natural language processing, parse it with sentiments so that when employees have questions, you know, when should I return to the office? How often should I return? Not only is the virtual agent so that technology that we're able to easily create able to answer that question, so you have to return here, but it's also able to flag high-risk employees. So if an employee is like, well, I don't want to return, or you know, I want more snacks, like, give me a reason why I need to return. We're able to go ahead and, and you're able to go ahead and take this information. And it takes this information, not only does it answer it, but then it also alerts the key stakeholder HR so that they can go ahead and provide more high to Okay. Ron is not super excited about going into the office until he has ABC. Maybe you should go talk to Ron about ABC. And what this does is it allows you not only to answer, you know, for a company like IBM, 300,000 employees. Yeah. I think, I think it's a great example of what we discussed in the beginning. So if the, the alternative of doing it is have someone sitting or talking with employees or going over the Slack and trying to find out what people are saying, what is the sentiment and pinpointing. That's a lot of work. And if you have 300,000 employees, you just can't, can't do it. Uh, but if you have AI, then you can take 
hundreds of, of, of millions of, of uh, data points and, and aggregate and extract the insights um, in a matter of seconds or minutes to surface up to the stakeholders what's important, what's the sentiment, what are the, what are the topics that are bothering most of the employees so I can, as a company, attend to that. Otherwise, it won't be possible. So that's the amplifier of, of um, the ability of AI to do something that otherwise human can do it in theory, but not in scale. Can we touch on the types of insights AI can leverage? So what I've seen, you know, talk about some of the things that have been most effective for organizations. And, you know, I've worked with our natural language processing and our AI technology. And what I've seen organizations... And I'm all about happy customers and happy employees. And thankfully, a lot of organizations share a similar uh, type of goal is, you know, leveraging, for example, sentiment analysis, you know, to go ahead and figure out when you go ahead and do a survey, you know, right, right now it's the end of the year, all organizations are getting their big results of all the surveys that are coming in, what's working, what's not. Like you said, that that is so time consuming to go ahead and figure out you know, what, what actually, and there's a ton of questions, what employees like and don't like, but sentiment analysis, I got all my key data points. I give that to my managers. So not only are you getting that information, but it's, it's also giving you recommendations, right? So here's how you're going to go ahead and improve. Uh, now, so that's within your employee base. Then you, now you talk for organizations that have millions of customers and that data is everywhere. Wow. That's hard. You know, and any given, and, and for organizations that are dynamic, I've mentioned some of them, you know, airlines, telecommunication companies, organizations that deal with services, you know, your brand matters, right? And when the margins are really thin and you're competing against a crowded field of really top, top-notch talent, you know, being able to figure out what are some experiences that are not going to affect your brand? What are some experiences that are going to help your brand is going to be great. And so that's where, you know, sentiment analysis to be able to figure out everywhere is, this has been incredibly powerful for organizations. Again, whether it's trying to create a really powerful, motivated workforce or create happy customers that are going to improve the brand and, and, and help further. So that's one. The second is anomaly detection, you know, figuring out, the key trends, you know, what's working and what's not. A good example of this, you know, working in the past is, um, for example, car companies. Car companies, every year they roll out a new car, new car models. And car companies spend billions of dollars in recalls, product recalls, right? Something's not working because you can't test for all these parameters. Well, now we have synthetic data, another thing IBM's working on, which helps you go ahead and create the data even if you don't have it. But for the most part, you can't test your car in all the different terrains, under all different weathers, under all different stresses. So you go ahead and you create the car as best as you can. You give it to customers. Customers go ahead and use it. And for the most part, you expect customers will like it. But then there's going to be issues with, for example, a car... In Colorado, when it goes in reverse, it's really struggling against that rocky terrain. So that's a that's a product issue that 
if you're able to go ahead and identify because you know they've issued a report, some government data, you're able to go ahead and, okay, now I need to figure that out. Or these are types of things that for the next car model can make even better, which saves you billions of dollars. And so those are the types of things that are really powerful, that anomaly detection, be able to figure out what's working, what's not in the nuance, especially when you're not able to go ahead and test those out or where you're not able to have a clear or complete view of it. And then the last one is uh, data mining. So there's so much data, right? It's, it's really incredible how much data is being produced every single day. We live in this, this, this data. And, and, you know, having someone, you know, go back and in, in, in things to the days of my grandparents and great-grandparents and how they had to go ahead and review every single sheet of paper. Imagine all this data in sheets of paper. Wow. It would take forever. And, and imagine if there's just one thing off, kind of like when you code, right? If there's one thing off, the code doesn't work. So imagine when you're building something, you have to figure out there's billions of papers, more like, and there's only one thing that's not working. How are you able to, how, would, how long would that take you? Years. And what's the likelihood that you will find it? Very, very slim. And so this is where the beauty of, uh, of data mining, where you're able to go ahead and you know, leverage things like correlation, statistical modeling to go ahead and figure out, okay, where's the likelihood from all those billions of papers, like virtual papers, here's the one paper, there's a 94% chance that this is what you're looking for to help. And this can help you figure out. So for example, uh, you know, Twitter ruling out its, its new product, you know, they can go ahead and root out what, what exactly is it not working? You know, Facebook with Horizon, figuring out how they can go ahead and make that more successful. That's why data mining is so powerful because, again, so much data, so many different parameters, and you don't want to go ahead and, and bias that data because what's working in Israel could not be working in the United States. What's uh, working for folks who are younger might not be working for, for an older generation. And so you need to go ahead and take into account all these parameters and really understand what is it that is the main drivers of why something is succeeding or not succeeding. And so data mining is that great type of technology that you can go ahead and use. Again, correlation statistical models. So go ahead and find that needle in the haystack so that you can able to go ahead and, and fix something really quickly or be able to replicate that success. What are the most relevant data sources for companies you work with? Yeah, again, it really depends on the, the industry and the customer. Customers will go ahead and draw from a wide range of data sources. I'd say the most popular are going to be first the data that they have. So the data they collect from call center, data they collect from their websites, social media, you know, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, the news, I think is something that's really powerful in the sense of what is, especially if it's more enterprise focused, what are folks being, what, what are folks writing about the product or the services blogs, right? This day and age, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. You know, you look at, you know, TikTok and folks are able to go ahead and make millions because they have a huge draw. And so what's, what's really incredible is that now the amount of data we're getting and, and, and the importance is, is becoming ever so more diverse. And so customers will get it from, from a number of sources. I think the, the government data is also something that, you know, most people are like, really? But there's a ton of data there because when you have a complaint against a customer for fraud or you don't like something, you want to go ahead and report them, right? 
everyone's been an angry customer. You're like, I don't want anyone else to use this. And so you go to Google reviews and you write bad, but then if you can, you also like see if there's any way you can go ahead and, and report them so that no one else gets that same experience. And so that's where a lot of there, a ton of data sits also with the, with the government. What's the most important consideration when you select the type of data to use? Organizations need to be aware of what their customers are saying, both in real time, but what have they said in the past, right? You don't want to go ahead and repeat your same mistakes. So historical data is really powerful. I'll give one example. You know, we have, we've worked with financial organizations who are going ahead and looking for trends, right? To understand across industry, across time, what, what are some of the decisions they've made? Um, because like a great leader, right, you learn from experience. So great companies lean on that experience. And so financial organizations are like, okay, so I'm going to understand their experience to go ahead and make decisions. You know, we've got customers that are building ETFs, right? Stock, stock trading AI applications where you don't even need to use, you know, you don't need a trader to go ahead and transact those decisions in AI. And actually the AI has beat out, um, you know, the S&P 500 and, and, and most, uh, most hedge funds, which um, I think is, is, is really impressive given that it's, it's been a difficult year. But they're, they're using um, historical data to understand why is a company making a certain decision and how is that decision going to affect the bottom line? It's going ahead and seeing, okay, how does this decision affect the rest of the industry? How that might affect? And from there, they're going to go ahead and make decisions. You know, historical data is also really powerful for financial organizations who are using models to understand whether should I make an acquisition or not. Right? You look at when you go ahead and make an acquisition M&A, you look at comparables, you look at past behavior, you look at all these things, historical data, like it's so hard to weed through that. And that's why these acquisitions take forever. But I think last year, especially, there were so many acquisitions being done left and right, left and right. How do you go through all this information? How do you do great due diligence? You need the help of AI. Can you give another example of a good use of historical data? Whether you should make a loan or not, right? How do we get in the United States? How do we get our credit score? It's all based on historical data. And so for financial advisors, they go ahead and look at that historical data, not only for that customer, but for that type of customer. You look at the broader range. And so this historical data is able to go ahead and give them that key information so that they can make that the best decision. We have multiple clients that are using the historical data as a kind of a, as playground to train their models. So they have got an overview of the past and they have the um, commodity changes, could be uh, dollar value or other value. And they, they try to correlate events um, or any other signal in the data to previous changes in the commodity. And once they do find a correlation and they train their system, their model, to find a correlation between news article or message board discussions um, by extracting sentiment or um, relationship between entities, once they do, they can take this model and put it on the present to understand if a stock price might go up or down based on historical event. So kind of using previous knowledge for future 
uh, prediction with high accuracy. So historical, I agree with you, it's, it's highly important, um, especially for for, uh, for the financial industry, um, also for the risk industry. What about the quality of the data? How do you test it? I think that's really amazing and, and, and super important question because it goes again to the conversation we're having around the dangers of AI. And you can't have good AI without good data. And you can qualify the quality of different data sources. And what you just said around using historical data, that's a really great example because data can become very messy. It can become incomplete. It can be biased. Uh, getting that data clean and ready is, is, is super difficult. So then being able to go ahead and leverage you know, things like historical data so you can test, so you can ensure high quality is, is super key. Um, for example, one of the things that we do to go ahead and ensure the quality of different data sources is we create classifiers. Talked about them in the past. That's, you know, that super amazing investigator. Think of like that Clippy with the magnifier that can go ahead and go through all these things and take into the nuances of the sources. So for example, with social media news article, you're going to have a lot more parameters to take into account because there's things that fake news what's true, what's not. So determining the veracity of it is going to be a lot more complicated. So you're going to want to go ahead and make sure that your models take into account and are, are a little bit more complex to capture that. With news, with government data, it's a little bit different, right? It's not so much that, um, sure, there's people that can purposely lie when they do reviews or issue reports. It's not such a big concern. So you're, with your with your classifiers, with your quality data, what you're going to be paying more closely attention to is, has data been entered wrong? or incorrectly, right? Sometimes data is even being written. And then it's, you know, you're using OCR technology to go ahead and transfer that data from paper to virtual. And there's a whole host of complications, right? Handwriting, different styles. And then on top of that, each industry and data source has its own language or slang that we have to take into account. Can you give an example for a classifier that helps understand language challenges? good example of this is, you know, we were trying to go ahead and figure out insights for a motorcycle company that we were working with. And we were constantly seeing the word bad. It was surprising because what we were trying to figure out, what was, what was the root cause of success with the latest, you know, motorcycle? And so we're like, what's, what's wrong? Is it the data? Is it the models? We're like, we're seeing a lot of bad. And what we didn't take into account because... I unfortunately don't have a motorcycle. Um, is that bad within the world of motorcycles is, is actually not bad. It actually means that customers like the brand and the product. And so you also have to take into account the nuances of the industry, uh, of the company, so that you can go ahead and determine, you know, what is actually working, what's not. So much is happening around AI over the past few years. Only recently, the launch of ChatGPT, which highlighted the need for mass relevant data. How do you get all the data you need with the right quality? One way to do it is historical data. But as you know, the world is changing so quick. We have so many things we couldn't expect. Like this year, these past couple of years have been pretty eventful, to say the least. And so a great way, and, and, and there's a lot of scrutiny around data, how we're using it. You know, Apple, the measures it's, it's taken, the European Union rolling out their rules and regulations. And so now organizations are having a really hard time. Like, how do I ensure high quality? Because I can't get all the data I need. 
but I still need to go ahead and anticipate a lot of different scenarios because otherwise I'm in a really difficult situation. And so one of the ways to go ahead and solve this is synthetic data. Synthetic data is really powerful because, you know, the way, you know, we have a solution called Unreal Data where you don't even have to go ahead and give us data. You just tell us the parameters and we use over a million synthetic actors to be able to create high quality, unbiased data. That data can go ahead and be used, you know, we already see applications of it. Tesla uses it. It's self-driving. Instead of going out and through all the roads and the dangers that come with it, they use synthetic data to train their models. Synthetic data can go ahead and be used for telecommunication companies to figure out when there's going to be outages, how to react to that, what conditions can you go ahead and do to create better. And that's really powerful because with this, you know, if I'm an executive and I'm trying to figure out the rest of my year, or I'm trying to figure out the success of a product or a service, I can simulate. Now I can simulate because I have the data that I need to figure out what's the likelihood that this is going to be successful or not. Not just based on past data, but now let me go ahead and roll it out. Let me play it out. Well, I do appreciate your time and 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 this interesting conversation. Uh, I learned a lot, and um, I'm again, I'm 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 thankful for for uh, all the information you shared with us, and uh, we'll be sure to you know hopefully that our audience will enjoy it as well. I'm sure they will. Ron, always a pleasure. Can't wait to team up again. Thanks so much. As AI continues to advance and become more integrated into our lives and businesses, this conversation will continue. And with it, the questions about the data that powers it and other big AI challenges that are likely to stay with us for the foreseeable future. Driven by Web Data is a product of WebsIO, a world-leading web data provider that empowers companies around the world to generate actionable insights with structured data from the open, deep, and dark web.